Welcome to The Bottom of the Glass, a podcast about the art of traditional rudimental drumming and music of all origins. The Bottom of the Glass is hosted by Dave Loyal, Brendan Mason, and me, Brian Watkinson. We'll dig deep into the theories, the ideas, and the history of rudimental drumming, fifing, and world music through the words and experiences of those who are making music history today. Viewing one of us for this particular episode, you know, which I think is going to be kind of cool, you know, because we always wanted to, along the way, interview each other, you know, because I think we have some pretty good stories here. So we're going to start with Crazy Dave Loyal. I was yeah. going to say, I, 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 I wasn't sure. I was like, no one ever told me who we're actually interviewing. So I guess in that circumstance, just assume it's you, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's our turn to ruin you. Good. Well, I think that I, I actually spent some time researching state packs of Pennsylvania because I know that you wish I was from there. <laughs> I don't wish it. I just know it, Dave. I think we all know it. You have that rich Pennsylvania... Yes. <laughs> that's an old story man i don't even get that so you never you never grew up in pennsylvania dave um i've probably spent less time in pennsylvania than any state on the east coast it's a complete lie <laughs> i mean my entire childhood i want to see your birth life. certificate i would like to see your birth certificate <laughs> oh, and that's that <laughs> i have I, i've smelled philly cheesesteak on his breath many times that wasn't cheesesteak <laughs> <laughs> that's my natural odor yeah, yeah that's <laughs> brennan always stops at, at in philly on his way down to see me in uh in woodbridge pennsylvania <laughs> woodbridge pennsylvania yeah <laughs> in virginia pennsylvania i don't know <laughs> so yeah we have a really cool episode planned I, i'm um we're actually gonna have tim goss on here in a little bit to talk about Something very fun to me. <laughs> I'm really looking forward to it. <laughs> me too. Yeah, me too. You have no idea, Brian. I have no idea. Right? <laughs> I have no idea. I, I actually, it's, it scares me just a little. I, I'm actually hoping that this is going to be like a monthly segment that we're going to continue to have Tim Goss on and have these conversations with us. I think that there's. I a got lot some other people as well, some other characters that we can bring on. Yeah, Tim Goss is a character. It's kind of funny. <laughs> yeah, he is. Yeah, he is. I mean, he is a human. He's not a Muppet, but... We aren't even going to change his name. We're just going to say, hey, this is Tim Goss. This is Tim Goss. Like... <laughs> no, not at all. This is definitely... I'm not going to give him like an Uncle T. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Great to Tim see you, Goss. Tim. Holy hey, God. Tim, how you doing? I'm good, man. How are you guys doing? Good. good. Long time. Yeah, well, how'd that motorcycle ride? How'd that ride go yesterday? How'd that ride go? Yeah. Uh, ride went pretty well, actually. Well, that's actually, that's actually what we wanted to talk to you about. Uh, I'm yeah, sure. Yeah. Yeah. I, I had no idea that, that, that both you and Brian had bikes. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. so Tim and Brian have started a fife and drum biker gang. And it's I not a gang. Not a gang. It's well, a gang. We're not it's, smuggling drums over state lines or anything. Not yet. Not yet. You know, so, so, you know, if yeah. the price is right, maybe a couple hundred drag ropes over like Providence or something like that. But, 
You'd have to come down to Virginia. I'll, I'll, I'll make you a bunch of drag ropes so you can smuggle off to Connecticut. <laughs> but, I, but I'm thinking that we can do this like once a month, maybe. We can have you on and you guys can talk about your adventures of, you know, pillaging villages and. Don't and, pillage uh, anybody or any. It's a club. It's. It's a friendly social club. So, so, yeah. so Brennan, Brennan and I actually talked about this earlier today, and and we have some questions and some uh, some suggestions for you as well. We do. Um, that I, I think that, that we need we need to get to. Yeah. Oh, perfect. Shoot away. So so first of all, is there an initiation to get into this gang? Uh, not yet. Not yet. Okay. Not yet. Yeah, and please don't use gang because you know. Sorry, I'm a, I'm a law-abiding citizen and a, a fairly decent motorcycle rider. Okay. I don't know about Brian; he's probably a nutcase. But no. so, so he, he, here's here's a rhetorical question for you, Tim. Um, does this club, gang, whatever, um, have a name? Don't answer because we actually have some suggestions for you. We do. Oh, Jesus Christ. So you ask me a question, but you don't want me to answer. Nope, because we got we 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 got this one for you. (laughs) (laughs) All right, go ahead. What's what's your name for this? Go ahead, Dave. Here, give you first one. I got five. I I also have five. Some are better than others. All right. Hang on, wait. I I need a pen to write this. Uh, Well, you guys are taking. I got it, man. (laughs) I got it, man. I'm writing them down. I'm gonna start with one of my favorites, actually, the Sturtz Stud Mufflers. Ooh, that's a good one. Stud mufflers. So uh, I'll go next. Uh, this one was from Kara. Uh, the ancient rollers. The ancient. Yeah, you said that yesterday. That was. Yeah. It's not my favorite. I'm going with my least favorite and working my way down. <laughs> the moto mallets. The moto mallets. All right. Moto I'm digging it. Um, I have uh, either um, the soap on the ropes. <laughs> or the paradiddlers. Uh, I'm not sure about that. That one actually, that's a little far fetched. That one actually might tie into our initiation when we actually have one. <laughs> yeah. so I'm, I'm guessing that might be. Yeah, that that might be initiation level stuff. Mm. The con- the Constitution hornpipes. <laughs> hey. Good. Hey, that's good. Uh yeah, that's that's all right, Dave. Uh I got the uh the band of McCues. <laughs> <laughs> that's kind of stupid actually. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Redican Redican's Rumblers. Redican's Ooh, Ooh that, I like that. I got one more. I got one more. The the flam hogs. <laughs> It's like uh, it, it's like slam pig, but it's not. It's it's flam hogs. That's good. That's good. And, like and my, my my personal favorite. Um, it's probably the cleanest one, but uh, the the sticky bandits. Ooh, sticky, ooh, like home like alone. alone. Yeah, right. sticky I, bandits I see what, and yeah. <laughs> Not bad, boys. Well, Not we bad. would love to hear more about this gang. I, I think, or sorry, band. Club. 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 Thank you, Brian. We would love to hear more about this club. And, and uh, you know, we're hoping to see you guys in assless chaps at the Deep River Muster. Oh, definitely, without the pants. Um, yeah. 
If it's hot enough, which I'm sure Deep River will be. Well, that was going to be one of our questions was, you know, which which uh, do you prefer, leather or cotton? And if you answered leather, you answered correctly. Yes, yes. <laughs> well, yes, then I don't have to answer. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to ride in and I'm, I'm going to put in, I'm going to turn to Marilyn Goss, who has done the gate for the last quarter of a century. I'm going to say, Marilyn, how does my ass look in these chaps? Mm. I'm guessing she's going to say pretty darn good. Mm. So, and I'm going to wear them around all weekend long. Yeah. When was the last time you saw behind there, Dave, there, uh, Brian? Yeah, don't ask me. <laughs> Especially about Brian. It actually has been a while. <laughs> it's been a while, right? Yeah, it's been a while. So, hey, hey, uh, Royal Drums could actually come up with assless chaps now. You know, that might be your new uh, new product, Dave. Uh, the, yep. the, 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 there's definitely some other other people in the community that I think that's more suited for. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, it'd be more like Royal Bums. Yeah. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Well, this is definitely going to be a new segment that we do. So the next time you come on, you need to tell me about your adventure that you guys had and, you know, you know, what places you've conquered, yep. you know, what <laughs> charities you've given to, you know, all those things that a good biker what, club what, should what, do. What, what, what? Ch- ch- give to charities? Charities. That's what, well, that's what biker gangs do when they're trying to look good. They, they give the charities and then they go to the well, First of all, if you know me, I'm not trying to look good. I just like riding my motorcycle. Yeah. You know, uh, the, cha- the charities who get our money are restaurants and bars. Along exactly. Well, I, I don't. I believe it or not, I do not drink when I'm on my motorcycle. What? I, that'll be a shocker to a lot of you out there. But. <laughs> <laughs> well, I can't wait to hear more about your adventures. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, we'll keep you posted, man. Yesterday was the first one. I couldn't go yesterday, on. It, it yesterday like a was a good ride. Where do we y'all go? Saw, um, we actually went up and saw uh, Tom Evans American Drum Company, and uh, that that was definitely a good ride. You know, they met us out in Westerly, Rhode Island. They they took us around uh, Rhode Island, and it was a good ride. Apparently, Tim did a Step Brothers and put his nuts on my drum set. Yeah, yeah, I, I did see your drum set, and my nuts actually went on there. So. <laughs> It's all right. So who who all's in the club? Is it just you guys or is it? No, there, there's about 37 people. It's anyone that's uh, affiliated or alumni of anyone that uh, that has been in Fife and Drum, to be honest. So do you actually um, have a name? What's that? Right now, it's just the, it's the, you know, Fife and Drum motorcycle group on Facebook. That's oh, right. Come on, ours are so dangerous. much more creative. I'm still voting for <laughs> Flam Hogs. See, I still like the sticky bandits. (laughs) (laughs) I think the flam hogs is perfect because it's, you know, flam. Tim, Tim, I guess we'll have to rename it on Facebook. Yeah, we'll we'll, we'll come up with something. Yeah, we'll come up with something. Now, can you join this club without a motorcycle? Like like maybe a moped? A bicycle or something? Yeah. (laughs) No, you couldn't hang. You wouldn't be able to go on the ride. I'd try. No, you wouldn't get a mile down the road, man. Oh, I can get a mile down the road. Yeah, well, we'll be miles away from that. Yeah. <laughs> I'll be yeah, like one of those I'll be one of those girls that sits on the back, you know, and the wind blows up and you see the underwear I'm wearing. No, you there won't. There you go. You got to wear your finest G-string. Oh, we have bottom of the glass G-strings for sale. I don't know if you know that. 
you will not be one of those. We will disband this group mm. if you ever do that. What bottom of the glass or the motorcycle club? <laughs> the motorcycle club. <laughs> Well, Tim, this has been fun. I can't wait to hear more about, you know, what happens to you guys. I'm very excited about it. Are you? That's very good. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't read a whole lot of sincerity in that bullshit. Yeah, I don't either. Well, uh, well our, our next ride is going to go up and crash at uh, uh, Brian Watkinson's house. So. We shouldn't. Try, try, not, try not to crash there, but, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Actually, I will, Dave, I will be down in uh, in D.C., down in uh, Rolling Thunder Memorial Day weekend with my bike. Cool. You should stop by. I, or I, might, shop or I, might, I might take a ride to the shop with my bike. Yeah, cool. And the, uh, the loyal bums, assless chaps. Nice. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll repair them for you by putting it back <laughs> in. <laughs> Your assed chaps. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you. Tim, wave. Oh, I have another one. Uh, I have Tim and the Gossets. That was another name. <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm still going for that. It ain't about me, bro. <laughs> the, yeah. the Sturt Stud Mufflers was a good, a good. Second. I like that one. That is that. That's not too bad. That's not the too Stud bad. Mufflers. The Paradiddlers? No. Nah. That's a little dirty, man. What? Yeah, you're a little dirty. That's a little dirty. Tandem <laughs> accused? No. no. Fair enough. No, I think the Sturt's uh, stud mufflers takes my vote. <laughs> We're going to have to get new shirts made up. You have so. no idea how happy I was to figure out flam hogs, and you guys just completely <laughs> trashed it. Even Kara said, yep, that's the one. That's the one. That's the one. Well, she didn't hear my Sturt stud mufflers yet, though. Yeah. By that I like point. it. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> all right so i'm looking forward to the segment being a lot better next time <laughs> we just have to add yeah. the, the appropriate sound effects. it'll be fine <laughs> all right cool see you tim talk to you later all right guys see you, tim. See you later tim have a see good you. one man <laughs> Today's guest is a well-known icon in the fife and drum community. Well-known not only as a phenomenal rudimental drummer on both snare and bass, but also as one of the finest craftsmen of rudimental drums. Loyal Drums prides itself on American craftsmanship and being veteran-owned and veteran-operated. I want to talk a little bit about that later. These beautiful drums are played by fife and drum corps, military bands from all over the world, including the United States Army Old Guard Fife and Drum Corps. And speaking of the Old Guard, Staff Sergeant Dave Loyal was a member of the Old Guard for 11 years, but has also played with GAR, Middlesex County Volunteers, the Gray Coats, Monumental City, and is currently a member of the Grand Republic Fife and Drum Corps. Dave is also a co-host of this podcast, but we always knew that we wanted to interview him. So Dave has agreed to a no-holds-barred, nothings-off-limits discussion about his life in and out of Fife and Drum. Dave, nice to be here. <laughs> See, I never agreed to that. <laughs> oh, hey, listen, man, we have it in writing. Okay. <laughs> I, mean, I, I, I was just thinking that when it comes time to interview Brian, we should write what he has to say about himself. 
<laughs> oh yeah, maybe make him say it. Really good. Maybe we'll do it in the form of a car commercial. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of worried that you made me sound so good that now you're gonna you're gonna no. slowly dismantle it all. No, no, we're <laughs> well, gonna be so good with you. So good. I'll start. All right, Dave Loyal. <laughs> Why? Was that Eddie's question? No. <laughs> no. Addie's question is this is from Addie. Are you a weirdo? <laughs> what? Yeah, that's what she asked. They have a big letters there. Are you a weirdo? <laughs> so yeah. No. No, I'm not. <laughs> and then I have one from Kara. Is the weather different so high up there? God, why do, why does everybody think that that's funny? <laughs> Like, like, I, I actually hear that quite a bit and it's like yeah okay. <laughs> yeah yeah well but hold on so let's go back to your question brendan you asked why. why and what are you what are you asking why like why in general why fife and drum why why are you here Thanks. it's just why i was i was hoping we would get something thought-provoking out of it dave <laughs> I mean, like, I wish I knew about enough about like quantum mechanics to sound like you know to do something really like strange with it, but I don't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, right, so, but yeah, I I guess the why not? Ooh, that's that's a, a pretty good, stock very answer. Good, yeah. That's a very good counterpoint. Wow. Yeah. Why not? So well, well, what got you into fife and drum? Like, what was the catalyst um, back? when and, and at what age and how did you start how'd you get in so i was 11 and all i wanted to do actually like i think nine years old i started uh taking lessons and all i ever wanted to do was play drum set um and my instructor never let me touch a drum set we just worked on rudiments um you know which is probably the best thing that um ever happened to me with 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 music um and i i hated it at first but um but yeah, so uh, eventually I found out that there was a Fife and Drum Corps. I'm associated with a Civil War reenacting group locally. Um, and I started taking lessons with George Carroll at that point. Um, you know, and, and that kind of uh, solidified me into the idea of Fife and Drum. Um, and yeah, I mean, there's a lot, of, a lot of things that happened along the way. You know, I was probably 11 when I, when I joined that Fife and Drum Corps um, with Don Hubbard and some other, um, you know, people in that community there. Um, and yeah, so it was kind of the right place at the right time in, in a, in a way, but also, you know, I, I just fell in love with it and that's what I wanted to do. Um, so I still never played drum set like in my life. <laughs> do you, do you miss that? I mean, uh, not playing a drum kit. Did you, do, do you regret the fact that you actually never circled back around to play? No, drum kit? no. not, not, not at all. I'm, I'm a big fan of, uh, of niche these days, you know, like, um, you know, I'm a fan of kind of um, going your own way in a sense. Um, I'm also glad that I never went to music school um, because, you know, I've had to kind of formulate my own um, opinions of things. And I've, I've been able to, to play with some really amazing players and, and try to learn what I can from them. And that's, to me, a, a much better education, you know, from, I mean, just in the old guard. I mean, you're surrounded by, by everybody has a you know, phenomenal background from so many different um, instructors and things like that. And, you know, like, so that was a huge learning thing for me is just, just asking people about their perspective and, um, you know, trying to learn as much from different types of drummers as possible and trying to, to bring it in. 
Yeah, it's it's funny that you mentioned. Uh, well, it's not funny. I mean, that's that's part of your trajectory with drumming. But mentioning the fact that you came from the reenactment style of fife and drum, because I I think the first time that I met you, you were wearing a, like a Confederate uniform. And no, it was it was the, not a Confederate uniform. It was, it was this is a, oh, I'm going to tell my story <laughs> of how I remember it. You showed up to the Connecticut State Fifers and Drummers Association Championship, and I believe that you had just came from Gettysburg, Pennsylvania. Your feet were dirty. I don't think you were wearing shoes, and you were dressed as a drummer boy. Yeah, I, I remember taking off my my shoes because I didn't have uh, I didn't have my uh, um, like authentic shoes for the uniform and i didn't want to wear sneakers because i thought that'd just be like weird you this know? is how but heroes I, are made I, by the way I, it, 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 it was a really nice day and i was like you know i'm just gonna go out here and you know play barefoot play but my actual question is is i played first, uh, what's that is that your first exposure to fife and drum outside of the the reenactment thing oh uh, no um you know i'd gone up to um i don't think that was i think i had been to a few musters before that um, I don't know what what year that was, but I, I feel like I had been to Deep River um, in Westbrook before that time. Um, yeah. but I think I was probably like uh, you know fifteen or sixteen when I did that. Um, I think that was the first time that I had a, a conversation with you. Was that that? Yeah, competition? I don't even remember talking to you. I remember talking to Cliff Barrows. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's good. <laughs> so, were you a? When you were uh, learning rudiments with George Carroll and all that stuff, were you like a, a bit of a prodigy or did you really have to work at it? No, I, I really sucked for, for um, like se several years um, within that stuff. And uh, um, I was actually going to be, I was going to get out of Fife and Drum. Um, you know, I started playing some uh, hand drum stuff, um, like Afro-Cuban music. Um, and I, I was kind of just uh, waning on the, the fife and drum side of things and you know so I, I was kind of losing interest but i went to the um at the time it wasn't called this but the don hubbard field music school which was up in um in um delaware fort delaware actually and um, um bill mailing was um was there and was was my instructor um at that event um and he he really inspired me and there were a few other people um you know there seeing some people that were my age um that were you know at a totally different level than i was um but learning from bill um and that turned into a, a lifelong friendship with bill mailing um uh, you know and, and i do consider him one of the most significant people in my um in my drumming um but that you know it one of the things he really instilled with me is is um, hitting hitting plateaus and and uh, you know by using the rudiments by breaking down rudiments like if you all I did after after going back from there was I, I broke down the long roll um, you know like once or twice a day for a week and after that week I was a hundred times better you know and you know you get to not diminishing returns but um, you know that that first step is always the the, the biggest but it really kind of instilled that that um that love for it um you know and i remember my my, my mom tells the story that uh you know around that time like i was really getting into into drumming and really trying to to um you know progress with it and she was like there's this group that's in the army that's gonna like they're it's a fighting drum corps but they're gonna go play and i was like they're not those those weirdos who wear like the the 
you know, like red coats and all that stuff, are they? And and like I I'd never actually heard them or or seen them before. You know, I just like I had heard of them, and I was like, yeah, that's that's kind of weird. I don't want to wear that. But so uh, it turned out to be the old guard, um, and so I kind of wish I did. But uh, about a year later, Edwin Santana, um, a fifer who used to be involved with Yorktown and also Monumental City, um, he. Um, he, he was like, "Hey, just sit in my car and listen to this." Um, and so he he like put the old guard um, Pipe and Drum album on, and that kind of started that trajectory for me. And uh, I must have been sixteen, fifteen, or sixteen at that point. So is that the point uh, that you decided you wanted to maybe go after the old guard, or were you not quite there yet? No, that that's definitely the the, the point for me. Um, as soon as I, I heard that, it gave me a um, a goal and a path. You know, it's like, okay, well, there's, it's not just doing this to, to have fun with it. Like, although, I mean, it, it was a blast, but, you know, um, it, it gave me something to work towards with it. And so, you know, at that time, from about, you know, 16 um, to 17, I auditioned for the Old Guard when I was 17. Wow. Um, but um, during that time, I... Um, I, I was drumming maybe like, you know, at least two, three hours a day. I used to keep a journal and a lot of it was, uh, of the, of the time that I would spend practicing. Um, so, I mean, my mom will tell you, like, you know, I listened to mostly fife and drum, um, some other stuff, but like, you know, mostly fife and drum and, or, you know, drumming in general. Mm-hmm. And I, I just was like completely obsessed with it. So um, you, you made the old guard when you were 17 or you auditioned when you were 17? Yeah, I auditioned when I was 17. I, I, I won the job. Um, and I was 18 by the time I went to basic training because I had to wait for my high school diploma. <laughs> uh, you were you were 18 when you went to basic training, and and you were how old when you were married? 21. Oh my gosh, that's so crazy. So yeah. did did you win the audition on uh, on bass, or did you audition on snare? No, I I auditioned on bass. I, I I've never taken a snare drum audition for the old guard. Um, even internally within the old guard, you you still you know if you wanted to switch instruments like permanently, you know you would have to have to audition for it um, at least all the time that I was in. But um, but but yeah, so um, I had I hadn't been a bass drummer um, at that at that point. You know I messed around just like every snare drummer does, but you know I had never learned the technique really. So um, when that position was announced, I I focused. Um, all my energy every day, all day. Um, I actually, um, at part of that time, I, I had been doing a bunch of movie sets before then. Um, some of the like uh, Civil War movies. Um, I had played with Camp Chase in the the, um, the Gettysburg sequel, Gods and Generals. Right. Um, and but so I for that I actually started um, doing a distance program for my last um, what year or two um, of high school. Um, so. So I would go down to the law library and knock out like a couple weeks worth of work in a day, you know, and then just and then go off to these different events and, and you know, things like that. Um, so, you know, it was kind of a, a, a unique experience, but that allowed me at 17, still in high school, to spend most of my day drumming, um, you know, in pre- preparation for that audition.
and gentlemen, the United States Army Old Guard Fife and Drum Corps. You, you have uh, quite a list of, of diverse backgrounds of drumming in your repertoire, you know, between uh, Camp Chase and the reenacting, uh, the Old Guard, Grand Republic now. What's your, what's your ideal approach to the drum in your eyes? What's the most ideal I approach? Um, I really like efficiency. Um, that's, that's one of, you know, efficiency, but also not, not in a way that's, um, this is kind of a hard question. So I'm trying to, trying to figure out a, a reasonable way to answer it. Um, efficiency, but with, with a lot of power is kind of the, the, the goal. So, um, like I, I talk a lot about not playing hard, but playing loud. Um, so, you know, trying to, to get the most efficient volume out of the drum without, um, you know, pressing into the drum, um, more than necessary. Um, and the, the styles are very different with, between bass drum and snare drum, um, you know, almost completely opposite in a lot of ways. Um, you know, for bass drumming, I, I, the way that I teach it is, uh, you know, it's kind of anti-molar in a way because you're not leading with the, the wrist. You're also not leading with the bead. Um, you know, and there's, there's, I've done some, some stuff on that, you know, around the country and, and elsewhere, but, um, but, but yeah, so, you know, for me, one of, one of the most important things is listening and, um, being aware. And I think that, that growing up and listening to a lot of albums and, and, um, playing with different types of musicians, playing to the Mariners album, playing to the Yanks album, you know, like all these different, different, um, styles of fife and drum help to develop my ear quite a bit um you know which which ultimately helped me a lot um with the bass drum and it made the bass drum the bass drum is so much fun if you're a good listener um because you know you never know what's coming up next um especially in the old guard like they'll you'll mess with people people will mess with you you know trying to throw you off and it's like riding a mechanical bowl of drumming yeah we we have we've had that conversation quite a few times i've had a conversation with brian about how bass drums you know, that that thing that went out on Facebook the other day or, or a few weeks ago, that bass drummers weren't musical, but how difficult it is for a bass drummer to line up with what they're given from a snare drum has is, is got to be very difficult because I know when I'm playing, especially in a line, I'm trying to move it as much as I possibly can. So it's it's pretty unpredictable. Well, and, it, and it's not only the simple stuff. It's like, you know, like if, if you play a 30-second paradiddle um, into like a, a flamicue or something, you know, or I'm making something up, but like, You'd be surprised that like the thirty-second note paradiddle might be perfectly in time, but it's the flamicue that the second note is rushed. You know, <laughs> like it's yeah. stuff like that 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 you 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 wouldn't. And if I'm playing snare drum, I don't always notice it either. You know, but but when you're playing bass drum, you have to have that kind of hyper awareness. Um, you know, you can't really think about your your own timing. Um, you can't really keep that for yourself. It's kept for you by by the other um, by the snare drum or um, ideally in a drumline setting, I think vice versa, if the bass drums are, have a, have a, you know, a higher density of notes in a, in a section, you know, that the, it, it all flips. So everybody has an awareness. Nobody's concentrating too much on exactly what they're supposed to do. The standard stuff that you read in like the inner game of music, inner game of tennis, um, you know, that, that type of awareness I think is really important, um, for drumming performance. Mm. Yeah, and I think you know. I mean, I think the bass drum, uh, particularly in a in a high stress situation or where there's a there's a lot of stuff going on, it's the bass drum's job to keep things just where it needs to be. And you know, because snares can, no offense, 
snares can get a little rushy here and there. And if, if there's a bass drummer that's really keeping down the time, that can keep everything where it's supposed to be. And, um, but let me ask you this, because- Hey, I'll, I'll, I'm, I'm sorry, Brian. I, I got a, I, I hear a train coming. You do? Look at that. Oh, no. You know, we've been worried about you, man. Haven't seen you in a long time. Actually wondered if you were still, you know, with us. I wonder that every day, boys. If it, I wake up in this beautiful world and it's we can't see you, Uncle still real. But I'm still here. <laughs> that's I'm good. in a cave. That's good, Dave. Dave, don't <laughs> complain about that. He's that's in a cave. <laughs> I'm in a dark, dark cave. <laughs> I'm waiting out the storm. <laughs> are th these are all metaphors, or are it's like you seventy actually... degrees outside? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe in your hemisphere. <laughs> Man, you sound like you have so, a cold, Uncle Jerry. You're right. right. No, nah, I'm fine. What are you guys doing? Well, we're actually interviewing Dave. You came at the right time. Why? <laughs> That's what I've been asking. <laughs> yeah, we don't know either. We have plenty of guests to pick, but apparently we just wanted to phone this one in. <laughs> all right, all right. So, Uncle Jer, I mean, I'm sure you have some questions for um, your nephew Dave, right? Oh yeah, Uncle Jer and I go way back. I'm sure that he's got he's got something fun for me. Let's go, Uncle Jer. Well, I'm completely unprepared, but uh, I, I guess I can pick up a, a few questions. <laughs> Dave, there is something I've been meaning to ask you. I've been chomping at the bits to ask this one for a long time. Not uh, just one you... bit, but at the bits, all the bits. <laughs> That's what he's yeah. chomping. Yeah, I'm chomping a lot these days. Uh, and here's here's a here's one. If you had an identical twin, and he was kind of a stinker bum type, and he didn't look anything like you. Would you let him stay in your home just for a little <laughs> while? Um, I'll put a bed in the shop for you. He can uh, he can come down and come oh, not me for a couple weeks. No, not I mean, me. I mean, yeah, the, the hypothetical you. This is what I would say to that. This is your twin. identical twin. <laughs> Who, did you hear the question? I did, of course. And this and I he would doesn't look anything like you. <laughs> Can he stay with in your home with you and your children? No. <laughs> Not again. <laughs> All right. Well, I've just got one more. Uh, you've done some reenacting in your life, correct? Some. Yes, I have. Yeah. So you're out there and you're, you're, you know, playing pretend in a way. Do Do you feel like? Every day of your life, you're kind of just playing a character. <laughs> um, in every aspect of your life. <laughs> well, for someone who dresses like Santa Claus year round, um, <laughs> I think you're you're one. You're definitely the right person to ask that question. You know. Um, all right, I just got I just got one more question. <laughs> if you had to choose 
between having no money at all and being completely broke, what would you choose? <laughs> uh, probably being completely broke. These are very exciting answers. Way to play it up. Uh, when you're playing a drum, this is just one more question I have for you. <laughs> he never learned playing, how to count. <laughs> when you're playing a drum, do you ever just look down and be like, whoa, that's crazy? <laughs> um, yeah. But in honesty, um, playing a bass drum is a lot of fun because you can like feel the vibrations of every note just like going through your entire body. So, and that is oh, kind of yeah. crazy, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's it. That is wild. I got one more for you. <laughs> we got the time. Got the time. Uh, sure. Can you give us an example of something that when you think about it, you're just like... <laughs> Yeah, right. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's that's a tough question. There's no doubt about it. Oh, yeah, take your time, though. I remind you of a question I have. I'm going to have to come back to that one because I'm sure there's something that that would be the the ideal circumstance for that. Maybe maybe like cooking a steak. Um, <laughs> Or no, the 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 biggest pet peeve with steaks. My my wife makes fun of me for it. Um, that um, if you like push down with the fork when you're when you're cutting, then all the juices flow out. So that's I'm like, and so you look yeah, at right. that and you're like, you're like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. right. <laughs> Not that I eat that like a lot of steaks or anything, but when I do, yeah, <laughs> yeah, right. I've, I've never had a steak. So that whole story to me was like, well, then, yeah, right. How do you how do you hold up the the your tent then if you don't have steaks? <laughs> Bravo. <laughs> tent, good one. Well, uh, boys, really, I'm just here to promote my new podcast. <laughs> the top of the glass. <laughs> no, it's called Trail Tales, where I do a deep dive into what uh, what it's like being a vagabond out on the road so everyone go uh it's not available on apple podcast or spotify it's not on any of those conventional platforms but it is hosted at my campsite wednesday nights 7 p.m wow we could become like the joe rogan of a fife and drum podcast we could have him under our umbrella i think it's a really good idea he's in a different hemisphere though We'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. All these questions. I have I have one more question from Kara, and all of Uncle Jerry's questions remind me of this one. So here's one. How does it feel to identify as a cool person, yet be so indispensable? <laughs> We're indispensable. <laughs> Babe. Pretty bad one. Um yeah we're dispensable Roxanne or what was the what was the the, the duck's name that, that got got killed right before that <laughs> I don't know I don't know but, Dave do you yeah, feel cool answer. um I'm pretty warm right now but um if I join you in your cave it's probably a nice cool place sometimes it's too cold <laughs>
<laughs> All right, Uncle Well, Jay. boys, I got to go. <laughs> Choo-choo. <laughs> nice seeing you, Uncle Jay. Bye. Bye. <laughs>
Yeah, he was going to come in for one question, and that turned into ten. We need to take out some of them because I mean they were all like it wasn't really answerable questions. <laughs> <laughs> no, they uh, really were not. So we need to bring it back here. You have a good question there, Brian. <laughs> yes, uh, yes, I do. Actually, this question I know a bit of the answer to, but I I really want to hear it from you, Dave, because I know this is important to you. Loyal Drums, associated with American craftsmanship and owned and run by veterans. Why are those two ideals so important to you? Hmm. I mean, it follows, it follows all my values, you know? I mean, I, I, I grew up with a very engineering mindset. Um, you know, um, everyone in my family, I mean, most people in my family for, you know, several generations have been engineers or something similar um, to, you know, it's, it's kind of in, in my blood as far as the engineering. Um, but, and then, you know, having served in the military and ser served with some really great people and, you know, meeting, meeting people. And I'm not just talking about it in the old guard, but, you know, like some of the other um, veterans that I've met along the way and, I mean, it's just such a an amazing group of, of people, and their their ability to, to to get things done, and also just the camaraderie and like the the banter that happens um, with veterans is is unique. It's totally unique. Um, you know, so we actually get a lot of uh, we, we have um, five um, uh, part time employees now, um, one full time, and. Um, and a lot of those guys are, are um, you know, veterans, um, you know, a, a couple of have some issues with PTSD and things. We even have a service dog um, that comes to the shop, um, you know, and it's it's such a cool outlet um, to 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 give these guys, you know, like it's something that they're working on drums that are going back into the in, into the military field, you know, and like a lot of them are going to places that they that they were. You know, um, we're working on a set for Paris Island right now. Um, and, you know, there are two Marines in the shop working on them. And I mean, that's that's a significant source of pride for me um, and also for them um, to, to have a hand and stuff like that. Um, but as for the the very traditional craftsmanship part, you know, there's there's something special about about um, building all these things from from scratch. Um, you know, we use a lot of hand tools and things like that. And it's just it's not really done um, anymore. Like people don't really do that as, as an actual um, business. And, and maybe there's a good reason for that because it is a lot of work using, you know, hand planes and, and, and chisels and things like that. We don't use entirely hand tools, but we do use a lot of hand tools um, in processes that, that could be um, much faster, but, you know, having the feel of those tools and, and, and you know, help you to get it just the way you want it. So, you know, both of those things kind of kind of fit within uh, my personality, and it also I, I feel is helping um, some you know other people feel that that connection um, and you know be involved in something that's that's pretty unique. Yeah, I mean it's it's pretty incredible too how quickly you've grown the company, and um, I mean how many years has it been already? Um, so I started the business in 2011, but I was still active duty at that time. Um, we, we took over the drum production from Cooperman in 2018, right. um, April of 2018. So we're, we're right at just about three years or just over three years. 
And that's when you saw significant growth with your company, right? In, in terms of what you had to produce and have come out as soon as you had that. Yeah. So um, the, the, the leather shop um, always, always existed before that. And, and we also did a lot of work on drums, but we, we, we hadn't taken on, um, you know, we, we, I had built a few drums. I built several drums over the years, um, you know, but it, it wasn't really the, the business model at that point yet. You know, it was always a plan to, to, to get there, but we needed to expand in, in, that, in that line first. Um, so when we took over um, the drum production from Krupman, it, um, you know, obviously requires a lot more space. So we, we had to move um, shops. We had to, to get a, a big industrial space and get it all built out. Um, and trying to, it's, it's kind of funny because, uh, as you said, you know, it, we, we kind of started at a, at a level where most businesses don't start, um, where, you know, by taking over um, the customer list and things like that, that, that it, it's been very difficult to, um, to expand um, and build the infrastructure fast enough to keep up with, with it. Um, so it's been a lot of hours, um, you know, in my first year, I mean, we, we were, I was there for, um, I don't even know how many hours, over 80 um, most weeks. Um, and that was, you know, but then kids and all that stuff. And so I, I've been able to reduce um, quite a bit and also getting more people trained up to where it's, it's, it's much more manageable. And, but we still have a lot of work to do in a lot of directions that, uh, that we're trying to take this before it's, you know, um, really stabilized into, into what the, the goal is. Yeah, I mean, that's got to be difficult, just being able to manage the time with a company and manage time with your family. What drives you, you know, to do all of this and to continue to work as hard as you do? Um, I mean, this really is my, my it, it was my life dream, you know. Um, joining the Old Guard was my life dream um, before, and, and being there was amazing. I, I, I loved it. But, um, you know, once you achieve something and... I never saw the old guard as something to achieve. I saw it as, as a place that was, um, that allowed you to kind of continue your quest to mastery. Um, you know, it, it, it afforded you that, that opportunity of time to keep working on stuff, um, for drumming. But so, um, you know, this, this turned into my, it really takes everything about me. Um, you know, the, the engineering side of me, the, the, problem solving, figuring out things, you know, and it puts it all into this weird little package that, you know, is kind of created specifically for, you know, the, the way that I think and the way that I do things. So it really is kind of the perfect place um, for me. Um, you know, it, it'd be nice to take a vacation every once in a while, but, you know, like we're, 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 we're still getting there, but, but yeah, I mean, I, I can't imagine doing anything else. Yeah. Um, you know, speaking about, you know, uh, introducing kids into this life you have and this this career you have and how how that makes it more difficult. You know, the three of us have spoken quite a few times with guests on this podcast about, you know, how do you get how do you get kids to follow in your fife and drum footsteps? You know, I mean, we've we've talked to, uh, you know, like Don, Pat Mason, the Cuchillas, the Mollies. Uh, Cliff and Judy Barrows, I mean, they've been able to get their kids, you know, inserted into the fife and drum community. Do you have any plan to get your kids into it, or will it just be, okay, well, we're just going to drag you to 
everything we go to and we'll see what happens. Well, and, and so um, I'm actually going to to back up just slightly here um, to, to Brendan's last question um, about the, the balance with, 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 with kids and family and stuff like that. You know, and it's something where um, my wife, Kara, she's extremely supportive of, of, of the business. And, and it's, it's truly amazing um, how much she, um, you know, helps with because she believes in, in the business. She believes in me, um, you know, and I think that, um, you know, it, it's, it's vital to, to kind of have the same goals um, with you, with your kids. And, and we definitely speak the, the same language with them, um, you know, and, and, um, which, you know, for Matthew, that's like a few words. <laughs> um, but, uh, but no, so, I mean, we, we both want to introduce them to music, um, not necessarily fife and drum, um, at first, you know, but just a basic understanding of music. They both have drums. Their first two possessions were, you know, um, a, a drum and a fife, pretty much for for, for both of them. I, I built built them a drum before they were born, um, each. So, you know, they they definitely know um, there's drums around the house, and and they definitely love to to, to play on them. But I mean, so all that we're going to do is we're just going to um, keep instruments around and keep encouraging them with all kinds of music and i think that it, it'll um you know if there's a group down here for kids that they can join um it'd be nice to introduce them to that as well but you know see what sticks nice so let cool. me ask you this because this is one of my biggest fears ever have you ever dropped a stick in front of a president or dignitary i've never dropped a stick in a performance but there is a caveat to that. <laughs> um, at Freezer Jam back in like 2007, um, I was doing a, a class with I think it was Mark Mark Riley, um, and we were talking about you know performance and and with with the kids in the class and and um, how so one one of my final points. This is a short story. Um, one of my final points before we played a solo, we played Joe ninety. Um, was that, you know, even if you drop a stick, you, have, you just have to pretend like, like nothing happened and keep, keep going, you know, like keep, you still have it in your hand, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. So like, like oh, you, you can't advertise it. Um, and so we played Joe 90 and at the, at the, right at the very end, when I went out to do this, one of my sticks flies out of my hand and I just bust out laughing like in a guffaw <laughs> just because I had told everybody that like not to break composure. And it was just like, you know, I, I just, it, it made, it was so funny, but that was the only time that I dropped a stick like in somewhat of a performance setting, but it, it wasn't really. So we weren't even in uniform. <laughs> right, right. right. <laughs> so yeah, with all of your experiences in teaching and, and being able to perform abroad, you know, was there a single moment or a trip that stands out to you as being, you know, most pivotal? Um, I mean, I, I think that it would have to be kind of organized into different, um, different elements, you know, like, of, you know, the playing, the, the, um, the cultural sharing um, and the connections. Um, I'm a member of the Society of International Rudimental Drummers um, and going to those symposiums with, uh, you know, in Bern, Switzerland, or um, Paris, France, which are the two that have happened so far, um, you know, those are, are incredible um, to, to, to go there and, and to be able to, to share some of, of the ideas um, of rudimental drumming and, and trying to, you know, collaborate with people. Um, 
I mean, I, I think that, you know, on the other hand, you know, playing at Vatican City was pretty, um, I mean, just from a purely, oh my God, kind of way. Yeah, that, that, definitely, that brings me up, uh, brings up one of uh, my next questions. Oh God. What did the Pope smell like? I didn't actually smell him. I, I, I had a cold. I had a cold, so I couldn't smell. Oh, man. How but are we going to know? I actually yeah. would love to know the answer to that. If I, I Googled, uh, what does a Pope smell like? Like fresh, clean linen. <laughs> no, um, yeah, I, I don't know. <laughs> Hold on. I, I, I literally did have a cold. Yeah, you're okay. actually looking that up. You're Googling it. <laughs> I want to know what the Pope smells like. What, what I, I can tell you what I smelled like. <laughs> oh, here. Are you ready? Yeah. <laughs> uh, Pope Francis. An engaging, fresh fragrance with a citrusy top note of bergamot and a soft, woody, dry down of sandalwood. Is that a cologne that you're looking at, <laughs> or a soap? Uh, yeah, it's it's a it's a cologne called Pope Francis. <laughs> oh man! Oh man! There's a whole article on this. Want to smell like the Pope? Interesting. <laughs> Red leather slippers, fur-trimmed vestments, and gold jewelry. <laughs> and something with more sophistication than, say, Pope on a rope soap. <laughs> Was it, wasn't that something with the, uh, one of your suggestions for the, the biker thing? The biker thing? Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Brings it back full circle. Yeah. Well, do you remember when, when uh, the last Pope, Pope, Pope John, Pope John Paul, when he came to San Francisco, they were selling, like, instead of soap on a rope, they were selling Pope on a rope. That was the, the touristy thing you could buy, and it was his, his likeness on a piece of rope mm. that you could... Uh, so. Wash yourself with. <laughs> yes, <laughs> of course. Of course. Wow. Going that to seems hell. sacrilegious. Yeah, we're all going to hell. I, I, I didn't invent Pope on a rope. <laughs> you brought this whole thing up, dude. I, I wanted to know what he smelled like. Well, that's it's creepy in question. itself. That's a little creepy all on its own. So, wow. Well, this was cool, man. It's a very interesting interview. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, at least. <laughs> what, do you, what do you think, Dave? Did this turn out okay? Yeah, I thought I thought you guys were gonna have a couple couple more zingers than you did. Other than <laughs> no, no. Dave, this has been wonderful. <laughs> Truly. I'm glad that you enjoyed it. It's probably one of our most organized, well-thought-out interviews yet. Yes. No doubt. No doubt. Definitely. I've a lot a... about you, Dave, and I appreciate that. Yeah. yeah. Well, thanks, guys. Thanks for making me go first. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, we didn't talk about the rotisserie chicken, although that's a very funny story. Oh, I love that story. <laughs> oh, we should have. I don't know that story. You want to tell a story? No, here. You want me to tell a story? Uh, yeah. Well, yeah, go ahead, Dave. And we'll just add it in somewhere? Yeah, sure. <laughs> All right. So before the pandemic, we used to have this uh, this thing called Friendsgiving, where we, we would invite you know people over on the Friday after Thanksgiving. Uh, it would be a Friday and, and Saturday kind of thing. So Friday, we would do some sort of crazy meal, um, something completely not turkey. Um, and then Saturday, we would always do turkey again. 
<laughs> right? Um, so Brendan um, and Rob Randall and, and, and some other people would, would come down from Connecticut um, and, so, and stay with us for the weekend. So Brendan and I always go grocery shopping and um, the, some other people came with us and they were, we get into these giggle fits Brendan and I were, were just giggling about something totally stupid that nobody else gets and we wouldn't tell them but so we were smoking the turkey um and when so uh, for about four hours we had this massive turkey it was like a you know 17 pound bird um that was that was in the smoker um and so everybody was inside and we we had secretly bought this little rotisserie cornish game hen <laughs> <laughs> that was about this big <laughs> and so brendan and i had to hide and make the little paper doilies for the for the legs and stuff and then when when nobody was around we took out the turkey and hid it underneath the deck <laughs> and put in the little rotisserie cornish game hen and then brought everybody out for the big reveal <laughs> <laughs> and we were the only ones laughing <laughs> we were laughing like all day about this and then and then like just hysterically laughing when we opened it up and no, nobody else like nobody laughed, laughed. <laughs> which made it way funnier it was like one of those things when nobody laughs is just awkward and and therefore we find it to be way more funny yeah yeah <laughs> that's good the Cornish game hen. Yeah, well, the, the uh, doilies were a nice touch. I don't know what those things are actually called, but the 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 paper doilies. They put them yeah. on the legs. Yeah, yeah I think you're yeah. right. Yeah, <laughs> that's wicked funny. It, it, I think what was funny was that nobody reacted at all. <laughs> yeah. This is what you guys have been laughing about for five hours. Like we, we had to hide the rotisserie chicken, like in the yard. And every time somebody would come near us, we're like, nobody look, get away. Nobody look. Nobody look. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and then, uh, you know, when we finally revealed it, I mean, the fact that we took this Turkey that we were literally cooking all day and put it underneath the deck just to prove a joke. <laughs> you know, is uh, pretty sad. That's pretty funny. I like it. It was worth it, though.
If you've liked this podcast and would like to support the Bottom of the Glass, go to patreon.com backslash bottom of the glass podcast to donate or click on the Patreon link on our Facebook and Instagram pages. And thank you. Program produced by Michael Blancaflor. Edited by Brendan Mason. Hosted by Brendan Mason, Dave Loyal, and Brian Watkins. Podcast music was created by Michael Blancaflor. Logo was done by Andrew Ruddle.